Hi, everyone, and thank you for attending the FreightWaves Cold Chain Summit today. Um, I'm actually here today with Danny Christner. He is the CEO of John Christner Trucking, and we're going to discuss a number of trends and, and consumer habits that are changing that are affecting the refrigerated carriers and the market in general. Um, you know, over the last few years, uh, we've had a, a few different uh, interesting problems come up, whether you're looking at the pandemic or just the increase in demand of, of e-commerce and the changing uh, trends of how you and I are are starting to order food or go out and, and even cook in our own homes. So we're going to talk with Danny today just about how his business is is seeing these trends and how they're affecting his operations and, and the market in general and how a lot of uh, reefer carriers are, are trying to change and and uh, shift with these trends as well. Um, Danny, could you please introduce yourself to the audience and let them know a little bit more about John Christner Trucking? Yeah, absolutely. I'm Danny Christner, uh, CEO of John Christner Trucking. We're a privately held, family-owned uh, refrigerated carrier, as you've mentioned, um, have about 700 power units and a sizable logistics division. And we're probably what you consider a long haul, irregular route refrigerated carrier. Um, haul a lot of protein, produce, dairy products, and we really uh, reside in the frequently replenished items that uh, consumers, you know, purchase and and consume frequently. Um, we do haul some products that maybe would be, you know, in cold storages for longer periods of time, but a lot of what we do is fresh. Awesome, yeah. So perfect person to talk to, and I noticed you have decades of experience, so I'm sure you're going to be able to really help us gauge this topic. And, you know, from a personal level, I'll be honest, I have completely changed my buying habits when it comes to my groceries and, and even how I, you know, interact with restaurants. I, I love takeout. I love being able to now have, you know, friends over and, and experience restaurants in a different way. Um, and, I, and I actually haven't, I've been ordering my groceries ever since this, the pandemic started. And, it's it's added time into my day, and I, I it's a trend that I know it's it's not going to change at all in my household. So I'm interested in how these different changing habits have affected your business, the market in general, and and maybe different um, ways that refrigerated carriers are changing the way they operate or even run um, their trucks in order to keep up with demand. Yeah, certainly. I think we have to look back to 15 months ago when all our lives changed with the, the pandemic beginning. Um, you know, at the time we had a, a freight mix that was mainly temp controlled product, but what we learned real quickly was what part of our freight mix was going through food service, restaurant or institutional use, and then what part was going to retail. Because as everyone knows, restaurants and institutions shut down. So all of a sudden you had to force all the food through retail supply chain channels. And that was, a, that was the first part of this, which was extremely challenging. Um, the second part was we realized how essential we were uh, or needed as, you know, everything shut down early on the pandemic, but food products kept moving. And so that was really a benefit for us in that there was still demand for our services it was equally challenged for, challenging for our drivers and non-driving staff here at headquarters because there's a lot of things you can do remotely. You can dispatch trucks, you can talk to customers, but you can't fix a truck. You can't staff a driver into a truck or deliver a load over the phone or computer. So we were we literally found ourselves on the front lines. Um, that was you know immediate, uh, obvious that the way the supply chain was going to shift. 
And to your point, um, consumers were starting to use online delivery and some of the other uh, services that were available, but this accelerated into warp speed. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone adopted <clears throat> different different modes and different ways to get their groceries or to get their food. And then, um, you know, as quick as it shifted all to retail, when restaurants started reopening and some schools and other institutions, then you, the, our suppliers and customers had to shift back to a food service or an institutional mix. So that was, uh, you know, at the same time, everyone was dealing with the uncertainty of, of COVID and the mortality rates and how dangerous was this virus and things like that. And while we certainly have uh, sympathy for anyone that's been affected by this, we've had team members and family members that have, we just, um, I don't know, we felt like we were kind of on the front lines and we're almost deployed to keep the food supply chain moving. And, um, you know, what's interesting is, you know, my dad, John, was a driver uh, 50 years ago. And, uh, you know, we started this company 36 years ago. And what, what he did as a driver and what we do now as, as company owners and, and managers is pretty similar. The food products, um, protein and some of the other items are still sourced predominantly in the middle part of the country or the South produce is, is you know, growing on the West coast in California, Arizona, Mexico. And so the, and where the population resides, you know, that's heavily concentrated on the coast and in the South. So the need for long haul um, replenishment moves and distribution hasn't changed from where the food sources are a lot over time, the technology, the just in time ordering practices, inventory management, and then, you know, what's really changed is being able, you know, there was always parcel delivery, uh, mainly dry products, um, not just food, but other items. But now, um, you know, I, I use services, the, the meal boxes uh, at myself personally, where, you know, once a week I get a, a meal box delivered to my house and you prepare all the ingredients are in it and you prepare it. And I, I love it. I mean, I think it's brilliant and it, you actually have good restaurant quality meals at home. Um, you know, you, you learn how to cook. Uh, my kids have, have participated in that. So it's been a neat deal. The, the bulk of that stuff is still delivered by the same parcel carriers that were doing that before the UPS, FedEx, even our U.S. Postal Service. So that last mile delivery, um, while it's expanded with so many goods and the Amazon effect, as we call it, um, you know, th those, those vehicles are not now, a lot of those aren't refrigerated vehicles. They've just changed the packaging and the timing with the way that product is, is shipped. So us being a, a full truckload um, replenishment carrier is what I would call us. We go from the food processor or the plant processor and go to a distribution center in full truckload quantities. And then it's divvied out in these smaller um, quantities to the, ultimately to the consumer. But yeah, when you think about grocery delivery, Instacart, all the things. Now they can come and actually put it in your refrigerator, in your house, deliver it to your doorstep. It, it's amazing. And, and you know, the, the adoption of that by consumers, like I said, it's been accelerated due to the pandemic. So it's, it's the wild west out there when it comes to ways that people get their food these days. Definitely. I am um, a fan of those boxes as well, especially uh, it, it eliminates so much waste. You know, it, a lot of times you cook and it's like you have a whole half an onion left over and things of like that. And it's just like, what am I, I going to do with this now? So it's uh, it is definitely helpful for that. And uh, I, I don't see those type of, of box plans going anywhere anytime soon. And what I really find fascinating about them is that 
in order to like get the stickiness of a customer, um, you have to make sure that box is there on time or else it just, it throws off your, your, your meals that you're hoping to make throughout the week. Right. Especially you have a family, right? So it's even more important for you. You can't just <laughs> not have anything for them to have for dinner when they get home. So, um, how have, as, as these type of, I think, distribution centers start to increase, um, how do you see that changing in the way that refrigerated carriers um, are really moving in the market? Do you see more of them doing more of these distribution center moves? Um, and will those still be long haul? Or do you see that being more uh, short, becoming shorter over time? Yeah, uh, the, the long haul replenishment move is not going away because, like I said, the food sources haven't moved. And so there's still always going to be a need and a demand for what we do. Um, getting into the last mile delivery is a little bit different animal. Um, and there are companies, even large uh, dry van carriers, and I see JB Hunt and some of the other large companies that now have uh, really extensive last mile divisions to deliver those products. So it, it is a different animal. What what we've seen in in the long haul space and and temp control is you know there's there's labor constraints throughout our economy right now and we could spend a lot more time talking about that but the way it's impacted us specifically is we've had drivers that were perfectly content working over the road and you know our, our average driver's gone two to three weeks at a time so it is a sacrifice being away from home but there is something that appeals to that driver being his own boss being out there you know on the open road um encountering different uh you know, locations and people along the way. So there's something about that they like. Also, the the money, the exchange for being gone, it pays a premium. Um, but what we found is a lot of these drivers now, there's so many last mile delivery opportunities and jobs available that we've had to compete for the same labor source there as, as we've had drivers that have, you know, found ways to find regional or local or last mile delivery jobs that get them home on a nightly basis. Uh, they can still drive and do the things they like to do but um, we're now competing for the same scarcity of labor out there. So um, I, I don't think, you know, the, the distribute, they'll continue to refine. They're, they're putting in more fulfillment centers closer to population. Um, it's amazing to me that you can order something uh, and get it the same day now, or at least the, the next morning. And that doesn't just apply to a, a random, you know, item um, that can be a, a perishable food item as well. And it's really impressive the way the supply chain and the efficiency of that has been built out. Now, to your point about the, you know, you, your expectancy as a consumer and when that box is going to be there, even those companies have experienced delays. And um, I, I think back to that, uh, I'm not sure the entire country was affected, but in our region and this across the South, a weather event mid-February where we, we, you know, had extreme cold temperatures and it just snarled the supply chain and our network. We're, you know, we're heavily concentrated on the West Coast, across the southern tier of the country, and Texas just literally got shut down for a week, um, unprecedented low temperatures. Um, not only did it affect the supply chain, many of our, our people that work in our Fort Worth terminal and logistics office down there were impacted in their personal lives and homes. So, you know, something that just when you think um, there's one other element that can't come into play, um, well, guess again, because, it, and, you know, you can get everything in place, have the orders, have the driver, have the product, and there's a weather event, or there's a global pandemic, or, you know, the, the challenges never quit coming. And, you know, it's funny, as you made this point earlier, that a lot of this stuff is food. So where this is produced is is based off of, of location. So where other goods might be able to say, well, let me get myself out of like a, 
uh, hurricane zone or, or, or areas to avoid weather, it's not possible to just move these supply chains and pick them up and put them somewhere else. So uh, it's that's a really interesting uh, point that you made. Um, and, you know, I wanted to touch on something too, when you talk about these like fulfillment centers and, and just cold chain real estate in general. Um, you know, I'm interested in if you're seeing a lot of these refrigerated carriers, even yourself, investing in more of like cold storage facilities. I actually have a more of a, a brokerage background and I love doing reefer loads. I love the carriers behind uh, refrigerated trucks are, are, are a whole different breed and very professional about what they do. And I think it's because of the locations they go to. But uh, regardless, I remember that when, when something would go wrong and we had to find somewhere to like maybe store something for a weekend, it was just, uh, consider the rest of my day dead. Like I, I'm going to be really uh, challenged to find somewhere that's going to take me in last minute with a full truckload of, of, of produce or meat or some type of, of refrigerated good. Do you see more people investing in the real estate side of this in order to really boost their portfolio of services or or deal with these like um, random events that that might force them to put their truck somewhere for a week or unload this product somewhere? Yeah, absolutely. We see it in the institutional investor side more than the carrier or trucking company investment. And there is a shortage of uh, cold supply storage space or other just dry fulfillment space. Um, unfortunately, there's a bigger shortage of labor right now than there is space because <laughs> we've had some customers that, yeah. that planned out their their new, what they call the network of the future. They built a facility. Um, you know, We're gonna uh, stock all their products into that facility and make it one consolidated location to ship out into a region and now they can't staff it. So they've had to put their plans on hold. But um, no question that um, the need for cold supply chain, not only assets, um, you know, programs, and then certainly facilities has grown and the demand for that's probably not going to go away. Um, and then, you know, just in on the dry fulfillment side, too, we're seeing that just in proximity to our uh, Fort Worth location, you know, Amazon, DHL, all these different companies have built out fulfillment centers. And it's interesting because... You know, if you think about commercial real estate right now, there's a, a lack of demand for office space as workers stay home and don't return to the office, but there's a big demand for industrial and warehouse space there. So the institutional investors and buyers that they they move in, in trends and kind of group think. And what we're seeing right now is we're seeing a, a real, they're piling into investment into these fulfillment centers and industrial space and probably trying to find their way out of commercial office space or even retail because retail has really been hammered by the online and the COVID effect. I mean, people can't go out and go to stores and shop in, in person. They buy everything online now. So, you know, those are huge macro uh, shifts and dynamics that go. Uh, certainly, I think there's some trucking companies and carriers and 3PLs that have tried to take advantage of those markets, but there's much larger institutional money that's moving in that direction as well. So really, Daniel, what you're saying is that uh, none of these trends are are going to go back to normal, you know, with things reopening, hopefully this Delta variant is is able to to die down and, and people are, are responsible and take care of what they need to take care of. But, you know, uh, as as events and concerts and kids start going back to school and things start coming back to normal, you don't really see these these trends changing. And, and if anything, we should prepare that this is 
kind of the, the new normal. Yeah, I guess that's the biggest question. What is the new normal for us as a society and certainly as business owners and the way it affects the food supply chain? But no, we think that uh, consumers are going to continue to find options to get food delivered to them as they're um, available to go out and, and you know visit restaurants and shop retail-wise. But um, these trends and these options for consumers are going to continue to accelerate. Um, just like, you know, uh, think about autonomous or self-driving trucks. You know, when, when they come into the market and while they may not be ready for that yet from a regulatory and a safety standpoint, um, the minute that they are, uh, companies like ourselves will be adopters of that technology, especially on some of our long haul routes where they would be really effective. So, no, I mean, the, the trends in, in consumer offerings and um, all that is going to continue to to move at, at warp speed. Um, it's just, you know, now we've got to get the labor component back in and, and we can continue to, to find ways to serve the consumer. I love that. And I really appreciate you being here today and, and, and letting our audience know about what they should see in the, in the reefer market. And, and you guys heard it from Danny. You know, if you're looking to get a truck and get into the business, reefer isn't going anywhere. If anything, it's getting more complicated, which means we more need more people to help solve these problems. So I really appreciate you being here today. And, and everyone, thank you for attending the Cold Chain Summit.